Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio. I'm here with Pip from the Size Up tonight. We have a special guest uh, on our on our show. We have Captain Dallas Cooper from the Houston Fire Department. Dallas, thank you for being here. Pleasure. You work Houston Fire Department up at 50s on A shift, and you're the captain there, correct? Correct. I am. Awesome. So, like, let's uh, let's jump into this real quick here. Like, you're so. How did you get into the fire service? Like, you. I was a little kid when the fire truck came to school said I'm going to be a fireman when I grow up. My mom was an administrative assistant in Conroe Fire Department uh, under Chief John Cook. So I hung out in the fire station. But before I was even around, my dad was a volunteer. Uh, he actually helped founded the EMS service in the town he grew in, grew up in. Uh, his claim to fame was the first baby being delivered in their brand new ambulance. Um, and then went to high school. Um, was studying sports medicine in high school. And with that, we interacted with the EMS there and uh, did the one thing a lot of guys do fresh out of high school, I joined the volunteer fire department. And I got bit by the bug and then kind of sucked into EMS full time for six years. And uh, just- Sounds familiar, right, Rob? Yeah, rode yeah. that yeah. world. Rode Sounds that world very wing. familiar. You know, just <laughs> round and round and round. And uh, EMS pays in the Northeast, EMS pays fire doesn't to start with right but then yeah. if you stay too long you have to reverse yourself yeah so down here i was working for a private company contracted to a city and we it, it does not pay um you know yeah. burnout happened uh and the burnout i do recognize it now i recognize burnout now because it happened to me but it happened in about year five in ems and i decided you know i'm gonna chase my dream uh becoming a fireman and i put myself through fire school on my own uh, here at Texas A&M at the teach program. And then uh, within that first year, I got a fire, one job with fires, a small community, small department outside the city and realized that wasn't my gig. Um, very small town. If you're not from here, you know, you're just somebody, you're not part of the crew, no matter how good you are. And eventually moved to Houston. I started at Houston in September, 2003. And then there, uh, coming up on 18 years in September. You know, Houston's been a really cool place for us to to interact with. And we got to meet Steve Sangadolci a few years ago from Affordable Drill Towers, worked out of 68s with, uh, and I got to meet Mo Davis oh, yeah. and uh, Larry DiCamillo and then, awesome. you know, people from the rescue and everything else. And yeah. it's just been um, like Houston's always been in the paper, so to speak, when you talk about like our firehouse journals and stuff like that, right. um, but never realized how big the department was how much of a geographic area you all cover and then just the culture of like between engine companies and truck companies and i mean just a a tremendous um yes, tremendous yes. department with a lot of a lot of different things going on so it's really cool and so you moved to houston and just kind of signed up for the test and ended up um, you know it I'm from the Houston area. I lived, I grew mm -hmm. up around it. Um, I'm in one of those communities that you don't know where Houston starts and begins. I grew up in the Friendswood Clear Lake area and it just kind okay. of runs together. And uh, I decided I didn't want to be at the fire department I was at. I didn't like it. I ran it. I was working part-time in EMS still. And I ran into a friend with Houston. He goes, we're testing again. And he, and I went down and took the test first try got in. I think I tested in May and we started in September. I mean, I was one of those first time guys, you know, there aren't a lot of guys that do that. Um, yeah. We were doing a mass hiring at the time. That was after the Jay Yonke death, the Four Leaf Towers uh, fire. And they were bringing everything up from three man staffing on heavy apparatus to four man staffing. So they were hiring like crazy. I mean, my class hit the door of the academy, we were back out in eight weeks and we were at the station. 
Yeah, I realized you said that in your in your bio, you sent me that it was a fast track class. Was that because you had been previously employed as a firefighter or did they just push you guys? You had and you had that training from Texas A&M. So the fast track was one of two things. Either you had a uh, Texas Commission on Fire Protection certificate or you had that plus had been a firefighter already. So they okay. and, and they grouped you in a class. You basically it was an eight week class on how we do things here at Houston. You should already know how to be a fireman at this point. And we went to the station. I mean, in the door and out the door. Whereas the long track class is like 14 months, um, sometimes longer, because they have to do their EMT stuff and all that. And then if they go to paramedic training, it's even extended longer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're not, we weren't one of those academy classes. Like we're friendly, we all know each other, but some of those classes are very tight. You know, oh, I was class this, this, you know. And, yeah. uh, but we were like, you know, it was like going to a training class, you know, for eight weeks, you know, in the door, back out and hit the station. And then it makes, you're first- if it makes you feel better, I, I went for five weeks. <laughs> that was it. It was, it was five weeks when, when I, back when I was, back when I was young, it was five weeks. I had to do three months. I, it was yeah. a three long months driving every day from Poughkeepsie to Westchester. Um, well, my teach class, my teach class was, was a nine week class, but it was seven days a week. And sometimes we went till late, late at night, you know, they, they drilled it in you. It was a good class. It was an excellent nine weeks to learn how to be a fireman. You, you should have been able to decide right then if that was the job you wanted to do, you know, it really, cause it was, they drilled it in you. So was your, like what, like your, you got a science station for when you get out of the academy, but like, what was your, do you remember your first like job and all that stuff as far as like, some of the uh, highlights or four is where I ended up as a firefighter. Um, okay. I kind of bounced around a little bit trying to find your niche. Houston's huge. Like we said, 92 fire stations, 88 engine companies, 50 something ladder. I mean, it's huge. Right. I, I ran into a guy from DC one time who was like, you know, pound is just, I'm a DC fireman. You're a Houston fireman. And I said, and then I started telling him about it and he was just like, Oh, oh, oh. I said, yeah, y'all are like a quadrant in our department. You know? Yeah. 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 So I kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, you know, as a station, like I said, during the Yankee hiring phase, when they're hiring, there were tons of rookies and we were, some of them were in at the slow stations. I ended up kind of at a milder, slower station, station 41. When I was done my rookie phase, they manpowered me to 31s. I was, then I transferred to 60s. I put in and asked to go to 60s, which was the Southwest side where I stayed for a little bit. Um, and then fours is where I stayed the most of my career as a pipe. So you kind of find that in Houston guys you know, bounce around. And they also get manpowered a lot. They get shuffled when, you know, if you don't put in for something and someone bumps you out of that spot, you're not locked in. You, you might go, you know, until you find your niche, you know, where you want to be. And that's what a lot of guys do. They, they don't lock it down because they're trying to get somewhere specific, you know. Yeah. Some Even of the guys they, were talking about staying on the ambulance just to make sure they had, got a good spot in the station that they were, they were at. I know Steve was kind of talking about like how he, <laughs> he went and like, you know, did certain things to make sure that it because he wanted to stay where yeah he, yeah yeah there's some guys you'll do something like so that you don't i mean you can't control the transfer office that's a total separate entity if they decide to move you and they need you and you're extra you know they're, they're gonna move you but yeah you'll pull stuff you decide this station i want to be at kind of make the crew want you to stay more you know kind of yeah and you like houston shoes there's some guys do it to where they live i live an hour from houston I, I drive an hour um which some places that doesn't sound like a lot but i work on the northwest side which is literally a straight shot from where i live but some guys they base where they work because of the size of the city i mean if you really if you ever look at a map you see the word houston just go like this and that's houston 
Yeah. yeah. Now, are you what you're saying? Like, because because people could be listening to and it's spread out. So there's Houston, like the city, right? And then right. what surrounds the city? Let's say, like the the high rise district or whatever you well, want. We to have call five high rise districts. Five. Yeah, we have we have basically five high rise districts. You have downtown, uh, Galleria, Med Center, Southwest Houston, Energy Corridor. Actually, we have six. Uh, Midtown's kind of one. So yeah, we have six. So there's really, there's Midtown, Uptown, Downtown, East End, North Side. Uh, we have Kingwood, the livable forest, which you actually leave the city of Houston, go through another town and get to, because they annexed, they jumped over a city and annexed something for that tax grab. You know, um, it's, it's hard to, until you like to come, I'll put it this way. I have friends that come to Houston and I said, we well, you got to get a rental car. And they're like, no, we'll do this. I go, no, 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 we're not a walking city. We're not, you know, we, you yeah, know yeah. you can Uber, but your Uber in one day could cost more than your rental car for a week, you know? So it's just a crazy city. I love working in it. It's super diverse. Um, it, we've got it all. And you can have it all in your district. That's how, because we don't have zoning laws. So, you know. So anything could be anywhere pretty much. Yeah, like in my, you know, that house that down the street could actually be a manufacturing facility or auto shop, you know, right in the middle of a neighborhood. You know, so you could, have, it's a very diverse city to work in as a fireman. You know, a lot of guys can get locked in. Some of them are small communities, mom and pop residential type things. But, you know, it, it's very, very good. I think that's one of the things, too, like, you know, in comparison, like New York City is 300 and something, I think 300 square miles. And I think the city of Houston is 600. Well, I looked it up, 671 square miles. So, like, when you talk about that land, like, it is, it is a lot of right. area to cover. And actually, when we went down... And we popped in the 68s. I was surprised okay. the distance that they had to travel yeah. before. Like, and I was like, where's the other companies? Like, aren't we going to? And Mo was like, oh, they'll be here in a little bit. And yeah. I was like, huh. Uh, but it was, it was quite like the coverage area was quite large yeah. for the station. Yeah. So. so like when I covered, when I was a pipeman at station four, uh, we were the last kind of outpost. We were the city, we ran the city limits and then it was a volunteer duty crew paid department that covered us. But we would be, if we made fires in a certain way, well, I'll tell you this way. If we made fires at station 96, it was a 20 minute response for us as the second end engine. Yeah. And that's, you know, in a big municipal city, that's pretty, pretty. That, that's unheard of in my world. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say like, uh, you know what I mean? Like Rob, where we are, it's, it's, again, there could be 20 minute responses, but it's not because it's the same department that has a 20 minute response right, to your right. second do, you know? Yeah, but yeah. then we made a response right in our territory around our station. You know, the next two stations were right on top of us. But that's the way the city is. They annexed that area up there, Willowbrook. Well, you got to go 20 minutes some days. And that's traffic, you know, the time of day. It may take you that long to get up there. But if you got to run down to 67 station, station four, you're there in five minutes if less. Yeah. So what that's were some of the, like, you know, like when, when you got into the, and you, you finally arrived in Houston, like, what was it that hooked you in there? Was it like, did you go to like first fire kind of thing? Like you were just like, oh yeah, this is awesome. That, that high, or was there like, did you ever go to the truck side or? Uh, so the, in Houston, we don't have a, you're not, well, I, for the most part, if you're at a house that has a truck, the guys rotate between it. Some have dedicated yeah. truck guys and it's usually a senior man that the senior captain on the truck, like that's my truck guy every day. He's my cut guy or my punch through guy. But most stations with a truck, you, you and most stations have trucks have ambulances. So you do your day on the ambulance, your days on the engine, your days on the truck. You know, you kind of rotate around. Um, but what drew me to Houston after I 
I decided to be a fireman. Uh, I worked for Rosenberg Fire Department, decided that wasn't for me, small country department, two stations. If you're not from there, you're just kind of not part of the crew. I decided I wanted more. Houston had opportunity, more opportunity for advancement. When I interviewed at Rosenberg, they told me immediately, if this is the department you want to be an officer in or advance in, this isn't it because we've already picked out and we know who will be in that progression. You know, right. and I was just like, I just want to be a fireman. I just want to be a firefighter. That was it. You know, you're young out of the fire academy, right? And so Houston had the opportunity for advancement. I mean, once you've promoted to emergency engineer operator, then you can go stay in suppression. You can go over to arson. You can go to inspections. You know, you have that bridge to move into other things. Um, that was a big thing. One, to make the fires. You know, when you're in a small country town, you're not hay bale fires and cotton bale fires get old real fast, you know. And uh, so I wanted We're that. not sure what those are, by the way. We, we, <laughs> we, we don't really, do. maybe Rob does a little more than I do, but. I grew up on a dairy farm, so I very much know what <laughs> okay, so yeah. hay bale is, but yeah. Uh, well, I'll send you some pictures. <laughs> yeah. um, the opportunity for advancement, the opportunity to better yourself in the job was there. I mean, that was it. In Houston, you're, if you don't become a good firefighter in Houston, you've chosen not to become a good firefighter in Houston. You've sort of not surrounded yourself with the right people at the yeah. right stations. And let me tell you, now as a captain and working overtime across, and when you work overtime, you can work anywhere in the city. I see that more than I ever have. I, you know, as a firefighter, I didn't do it because I was worried about my job. I wasn't worried about if he knew his job or not. But as a captain, I have seen it. I'll text buddies. I'm like, you're not going to believe what just happened on the call. And they're and I tell them, they're like, well, I do. But no, I don't, you know, at the same time. So yeah. Houston was the draw for advancement. And the big thing about Houston back then was you came to Houston, you stayed at Houston, and you retired really well because we had a great pension. We didn't make crap for pay, but our pension at that time, which that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's been, I was going to say too, because like we met on social media, I guess through 555. I'm not, yeah. I, that would be my imagination. Well, um, Maybe you remember. I got injured. I got injured and I came back to working out and uh, trying to get back into it. And I needed something better, what I had been doing. And you gave your video that, and in the video, it said like, there's no biceps on the fire ground. <laughs> there's no bicep curls. New York Times uh, video, there's no bicep curls in the fire ground. I and said. then you talked about the heart disease rate, right? And that got me. That's when I, I did a little quick video about being injured, using CrossFit to get back, get back in the game of things. And I quoted you a few times in that. And then I think I sent it to you and you've hung around. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but, but since then, I've been watching you post about what's going on in, in Houston yeah. when it comes to a labor end. Yeah. Because, you know, even though I've been pigeonholed as the fitness guy in the fire service, like there's, this, right. there's 8 million other sides of the fire service than oh. fitness. Yeah. And, and hearing all about what goes on in Houston, I mean, people wouldn't know that if, if you right. weren't posting about it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I try not to get caught in it. My mom is real big every now and then be like, can you post something happy for once? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> no, but you get, you get caught up because again, it's another part of, of our job or yes. our career. If you're a career firefighter, they're passionate yeah. about it. It's the yeah. same as the volunteer end that they're passionate about being volunteers. We're passionate about our career and our, yeah. what we signed up for, I guess is yeah. an easy way to put it. You know what I mean? When it comes yeah. to the job and the benefits. So you've been a great proponent of that which they have, volunteers have that job and benefits and they're worried about it through their full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. So to us, it's a little different. This is our full-time job because I've heard them, well, you signed up for it. Yeah, you're right. But what do you do for a living? I ask them and they tell me, I go, don't you expect certain things after your tenure here? And they're like, well, you got to think. So 
Yeah. That, that, and it's something they've messed with you guys about more than they've probably with Rob and I with what we've had at work. So, And I've always felt too is that the other end of, because I've explained this to a couple of people who aren't, uh, who aren't career firefighters, but they're volunteers or they just have a different outlook. And I was like, listen, like you get me for that 24 hours that I'm in that station unconditionally. And just like parents have unconditional love for their kids, like I have an unconditional response for you. And that doesn't ever end. And that means that I do things that I'm not supposed to do, not because I'm breaking the rules, but just there's going to be a time where I end up, you know, sucking some smoke or like we walk into something and it's just like we're getting exposed to bad things that's having its effect on our bodies. So the only thing I ask for you is if I'm going to give you that unconditional experience, take care of me on the back end when I'm old and broken and all this yeah. stuff finally comes knocking on the door and says, Hey, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a reality, you know, it's a reality. And I think opposed to when I got in years ago, it kind of saw feels more inevitable now. I know if that's a maturity thing, listening to these guys talk, you know, more as opposed to when I was younger, I think I was at 25, 26 when I started Houston. So I, I wasn't listening to that. And we, that culture was different. You didn't decon your gear and wash your hoods and, you know, scrub the inside of your helmet. And you didn't do a lot of that. You know, this, the other day, I, we made a fire on a debit day. That's something extra we do here. And um, the chief, before I came out and I went to talk to command, and I started peeling stuff off and he said, stop. He goes, go to the back of the pumper, decon get sprayed down and undress and then come back and i went okay and so walked over and the eo was standing there and took the hose to me i'm like bro this is 11 o'clock in the morning my gear's soaked now and he was like he goes your gear's cleaner it's not clean but it's cleaner i said okay so I took it off went back and i said okay we're overall and the chief goes no no y'all load up on the pumper go back to the station take showers get cleaned up Engine three didn't do anything. They're going to come forward and overhaul this fire. You've already been in the ideal age too long. And I was just going like, uh, oh. But after I thought about it, I'm like, this makes sense now. But when I was younger, I'd be like, this is, bull, this is our fire, you know? We're going to overhaul it. So. You know, it's one of the things that I learned going to, um, like, we have a, I'm part of the third district here in New York for the union. And, like, there weren't, there were not a lot of guys who are getting injured on the job from fires or, you know, these crazy things where they were like, well, he was so heroic when he was, you know, saving little Susie. And then this happened and now he's hurt and the city is jerking him around. There was so many times where like, like, oh yeah, like we, we got one guy out on an injury right now. He uh, blew out his back, taking a fan out of the ladder truck. Um, another guy was on an EMS call and he blew his back out. And then so, you know, next department's like, yep, we were on a, a lift assist and you know so and so is down and out he's probably going to retire and like and i i remember just one day being like so like the fires may kill me but what i'm hearing is these other injuries <laughs> are probably like, like i could blow my shoulder out and that would end my career yeah like i was walking to my truck across the back parking lot we pulled these bushes up we got tired of looking at them and we pulled these bushes up and the, the rain had washed out that area, and I tore my ankle up, twisted it, rolled it. All the guys see it, saw it. It was like one of those big, oh, my God, moments. And to, that was years ago. But now there will be days I'm just hobbling around a little bit because it just bothers me. Didn't do it in a fire. Didn't do anything crazy. Did it walking to my truck on the job. You know, and it was an on-the-work injury. But, you know, I'm stuck with it, you know. So, 
Yeah. And that's one of those things too, that like, when I look at, you know, my, my journey through even meeting you on social media, like meeting all these different people, you see these things. And like, Rob, you said, you're, you're, you're hearing these reports of people and now we're seeing them. And even what you said, like coming out and getting sprayed down after a fire, look, my, my department's not there yet. We're definitely not oh. there. However, yeah. we are leaps and bounds from where, when I started, we started in the same year and, and the same age. Um, oh. Trust me when I started, we were not even washing gear. I mean, not anywhere near that. We had a gear washer, but no one used it. Whereas now I feel like I've changed, gone into my spare turnout gear more in the past year and a yeah. half, let's just say, than yeah. I have in my entire 17 year career. Yeah. And they're just now they're working. Uh, they got, we now have two hoods and the union. I don't know who's doing it. The union's doing it. Um, uh, our local or the city, but we're about to get second coats and gloves, which gloves have always been my complaint. The, the nasty, heavy gloves, you know, wet gloves. Um, you know, the coat, I felt like I was like, I'm out there, you know, you're wringing it out, like trying to get it. But yeah, I was like, it's crazy, the advancement. And it seems to be happening fast, you know, but that, what that one chief did, that fire, that's the, I made the fire the other day. That didn't happen. We went overall, I made two before that. That didn't happen. I mean, it, it's weird. That was a test model in Houston um, that some districts did. And I think he's the only district that still does it. But I'm telling you, I felt 100% better the rest of that shift. That fire was at 11 in the morning. That if I had stayed and had to overhaul that high fire in my gear, still taking in the toxins and all that. I mean, I was like ready to go, you know. And plus, when we got back, one of the restaurants had had a catered lunch order canceled. And it was sitting there waiting for us. So. <laughs> That's a win and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? I was like, this is yeah. great. <laughs> so I'm just back to here every day. <laughs> <laughs> I will take a detail here whenever you guys are offering it. Fires and free food and getting yeah. refund. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you talked really quickly about in your um in your bio about being the uh, EO and driving the engine, but it's just minus the fact that the captains I drove were uh, not up to par, as Al put it, um, but the crews that you worked with made being an engine operator a blast. Right. Can you can you kind of touch on that a little bit because I I I've I've dealt with the less than stellar management, but definitely had the back step make it worth it because yeah. I've always said like it's a lot easier to end while the inmates are working against the warden because they have yeah. nothing yeah. but time. <laughs> yeah. So you know like. When you first get promoted EO in Houston, you go from being like the greatest fireman in the world to the bottom of the barrel because you go drive an ambulance. That You go to an ambulance for, and my first year in an ambulance, it was horrible, I, I'll admit. But then I went and I found this fun crew to work with. And even though we were getting on the ambulance running, they made it fun, you know? And then at once you've done a few years on the ambulance, you move over to an engine. You can start putting in to try to transfer to an engine. And I put in for an engine that I know nobody wanted to drive this guy because I knew I would get it. And after like the first day, I'm like, oh, now I know why no one wants to drive. This but the crew was so fun. And they actually, I kind of turned their spirits around a little bit. I, I'll admit it, I stood up to the guy. I had no problem telling him, no, you're wrong. Just because you're the captain doesn't mean you're right. These are the rules. You don't get to make the rules, even though you think you do. We still have to be, be safe. Um, and all. And he, I'll put the first one transferred after four months. He, he I just, kept bucking him every chance I got not in an insubordinate way or anything like that I was pushing it a few times I I will admit but the guys responded to that that somebody was there to stand up for them and then they just became like family I didn't know a single person in that station on well I take that back 
I didn't know anybody on that shift uh, when I got there because 50s was in my district when I was at four. So I knew a bunch of the crews there. And so, but I knew other shifts and all the captains, one captain was like, huh, you're driving that guy, good luck. And the other one was like, but man, hopefully you can turn this around. These guys are just beat down. And I did, I started, you know, just showing appreciation. They had an EO that would work with them. I got up, if they were cleaning, I cleaned. I didn't sit on the couch. The guys they'd had before sat on the couch um, and they just made it. And then that guy left. We had some temporary guys, a couple of which were friends of mine, which made it kind of fun, but that's weird. You know, when your buddies now you're, boss a little bit but the boss is always an interesting experience. yeah yeah but we had such good friendships that we made it work knowing also it was a temporary thing um and the crews just really they took to me and i took to them and you know it, i i appreciate everything they did i let them know they were always appreciated you know um if they had a problem they came to me and i helped talk through it but there was always laughter in the back of that fire truck i made sure of it they made sure of it it made it fun they wanted to do the job they knew if we were second due, I was going to be running on that first due engine like it was nothing. If we were third, I was going to be pushing that. I was going to get them there, put them on the fire. I'm not, and I don't like to brag myself much, but one of the other chauffeurs told me at one time, he goes, man, I'm glad you're captain now. I don't have to worry about you being on my tailboard coming down the road. So it, it just, they made it fun. They made what the fire service should be. I think yeah. that's the best part of it too. It's like, when, like you kind of said, like if you, <laughs> there's one person, whether it's the leader or anyone else that, that doesn't fit, but everybody else is together. That's what it's all about. Right. right. Like you can, you can overcome anything together yeah. kind of in the fire service. And right? They were and, some of the first crews that really appreciate me. Or that I like talked about my personal life a lot and stuff like that and open up to court. I mean, as a pipeman and all, it, I was at a big house. We had for a 12 guys there, chief, two officers, you know, four drivers, um, and then the crew. So, you know, you had your little, you still had your little clicks, right? You know, but this was some of the first crews that we felt as one and, you know, came together, minus the officers. Because I, I think it's a great segue. You talked about opening up to some of the crews on a personal level. And, you know, one of the, one of the other reasons that we're here today is to kind of discuss some of the things you have in your uh, personal life that you're, you're, you got going on. And one of those being that you're gay and right. you've, you've had to walk through this um, world of the fire service. And like, like, what was that? What is that like currently today? What was it like back then? Because I, you know, I, I can't imagine being in so, your shoes yeah. and, so, and, and having yeah. all that there. Yeah. So like I said, I started, I'll start back. I can go further back to how my life a little bit before I came out to my parents at 16. So I graduated high school in 96. That was in 94 to a very conservative Christian mother. Uh, my dad was conservative, but he was a little more laid back country cowboy kind of guy and all. And I came out. So now I had my years of high school that I had to deal with, you know, waiting to get out of the house. Um, the rules my mother put on me. Oh my gosh. The questions she would ask me. I mean, I tell her some of them now and she's just like, I can't believe I asked my son that, you know? Oh my gosh. So you, know? so you came just to go back to, you didn't tell me this. We only talk about big Dallas and little Dallas when we, oh, when, yeah. we finally, when I finally had to confirm your name was Dallas, that wasn't <laughs> just your social media name. Cause yeah. I was scared enough to ask that question, much less anything else. But like, really like Rob, I was literally like, dude, your name is Dallas for real. And it was like quiet kind of the other in the phone. Like, is yeah, like I'm like for real, like your name is Dallas. But so, so we you graduated high school in '96. So did I. 
that wasn't something even in New Jersey anyone was doing. So that alone, you know, if you even want to get into that a little bit more, that was a different time. It was, it was very different. Um, you know, I just lost a cousin to AIDS that, uh, that was a big deal. I can remember the things my grandparents would say, like, you know, don't touch Andy, don't, don't hug Andy. Um, you know, so that was a big deal. Um, I never knew anybody who was gay. So that was really messing my mother up. Um, cause I had never been exposed, but somewhere deep inside, I knew there was something about me that wasn't like the guy sitting next to me you know, in high school. And I did, I came out, it was a rough graduate, man, those years were rough. They were really rough on me and my family. Me and my mother got very uh, divided at times um, to the point I'd come, once I left home, I moved out and all, I'd come over for lunch or dinner and she'd say something, I'd out the door and my dad be like, damn it, Mary, you know, because you know, he's trying to build a family together. It, it, you know, but <laughs> I like that you can just say it now too. Like you're like, this yeah. is what Yeah, oh, we look back now. I'll tell you a funny story and I'll come and go on a bit. So me and my mom were button heads, like nothing at all. And I wish I had a picture of this to show you guys because you probably both flip out of your chair. <laughs> so I was going to get back at mom, right? It's Christmas family photos for the church directory or taking at Christmas for the following year. And that's when they get your family photo. I, had, I was pale. And besides this pink that's happening now, I was pale. I wore all black. I went out and I had my hair dyed platinum and gold spiked. And I got out of the car at the church parking lot. And I looked at my mom. I was like, what are you going to do now? And she's like, we're going to take the picture, you know? <laughs> and I stood in the back of that picture. I, was, I wish I had it here because it's hilarious. I show it to people and they're like, where are you? Oh my God. You know? Cause I mean, I was all like, you know, this, and, you know, like, <laughs> hanging out at the clubs and partying all the time, doing stuff you're not supposed to. And I was in my early twenties at that point. And I mean, we still have that picture. We, I, we, every now and then, my sister likes to post it on like siblings day or something, you know, it just to, I'll make sure to friend her. I'll find it when this is over and I'll send it to both of you. Now we need to see that. Oh, mother had her big old, you know, hair and you know, dad was in his three piece suit. And then, you know, my sister's over there like, check this shit out. <laughs> this guy's the best. I can do oh, anything yeah. I want at this point. Yeah. So came out at 16. It was kind of a rough life. Um, decided, joined the fire service in town still. I lived at home. I graduated high school, joined the volunteer fire department. That's the first place I actually experienced homophobia in the fire service. Like the first week I was there. They had a meeting because they had a um, they had <laughs> they had one of their few fires of the year in town, and they were doing their post mortem. Well, at the time, I remember what they call it. it's post mortem now. And this one dude just loved to go on because it was a gay couple. The house had caught fire during the domestic, and one of them pulled the guy out, and he was like in his underwear, and the other one I think was naked. And this guy just kept talking about, oh, the Fruit Loop fire, we got the Fruit Loops out, and he said, and I'm just sitting in the room like this, and. There's all the awkward laughter and like, huh, and they're kind of like, and this guy's assistant chief too of the volunteers. And so they were kind of, you know, you could tell there were people who would laugh like, ha, ha, ha. And then there were people like, hey, bro, you know, there was like four or five of us that were new. You know, we were wanting to join. And this was like our second or third time there. They had a meeting, you know, volunteer fire department has a meeting every Sunday. Yeah. And I was just like thrown off by this. Like, I realized that was one point that I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this job, I'm just going to do this job and I'm not going to be able to ever be who I am, me as a person. But I didn't stay there long. I ended up wanting to move. I didn't want to live in my small town. I was done with it. 
I mean, it, it just wasn't the place for me. So I moved into Houston and I moved into the Montrose. The Montrose is Houston. It's pretty much, uh, uh, it's like Chelsea in New York, Castro in San Francisco. We have the Montrose you know, and all. Uh, and I moved into it. And I li actually lived in the Montrose up until I moved here in College Station eight years ago. I, I lived in it, loved the neighborhood. You know, it was a great, beautiful. If you're ever in Houston, some of the best views you can go get. You come back, make Mo Davis take you to Nico Nico's in the Montrose. You know, it's some of the best, best uh, Greek food there is. So, but I, I'm writing that down too. <laughs> I didn't even get invited on the NFR trip there, but I'm writing that down because if I do get well, Y'all make it there, come. I'll, it's my treat, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, I got out and then I went full time into EMS. But the funny thing about going back to EMS was a lot of the guys that worked at the place I was at, I went to high school with and they knew me. And so they were like, oh, it's Dallas. And they knew about me. So that was an right. easy six years, right? So um, I did that and then, you know, decided to be a fireman uh, or decided to chase my dream of being a firefighter. Um, and during that time in EMS, I was who I was. I mean, if I came in the night before, they're like, you've been at the club all night. I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, uh, there's confetti stuck to your neck. And I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, because you know? <laughs> I'm, you know, you go out and come dragging in the next day. It was like, it was a ragtag group of people, but we took each other for what we were worth and loved each other for what we were worth. You know, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I feel like working EMS too, and, and Rob can probably kind of agree with this as, as we all can, you know, when it comes to the three services like EMS, fire, police, whether right. you're separate, you're together, EMS talks about themselves being like the stepchild of the other two, let's say, or whatever, right. whatever you want to call whatever right. it is. However, when it comes to being accepting of everyone and who they are and, and whatever you have going on in your life that's a highlight of EMS. Cause when I worked EMS, we didn't, there was none, nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? Black, white, red, yeah. homosexual, not whatever you want to be. A lot of stuff yeah. in your face, whatever color hair you came in with that night, yeah. you were just getting on the ambulance with me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the first places that I ever had someone stand up for me because I was gay to another coworker. And it happened and this guy had a problem and we'll come back to him later. But yeah, he ended up in my fire academy class in Houston. And so it was like, oh, hey. And he was like, oh, hey. You know, yeah, he kind of had a problem with it. And they were like, no, dude, if you got a problem, go down the road. And, you know, Dallas is, Dallas is it's Dallas. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. funny. Like I, growing up in rural Sullivan County, I had the opportunity when I was in high school to work for an ambulance uh, company in Monticello. And I had one of my EMT partners as a paramedic and he was, he was gay. And I was like, all right, you know, that's no big deal. And Darren certainly took an opportunity or two to mess with me, especially in front of my mother. But like <laughs> once I got to work with him, like, I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, like, and I remember going back to, to the firehouse and one of the guys saying something to me is like, oh, I saw you in the ambulance. He uses, you know, disparaging term towards Darren. I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's whatever. And he's like, oh, and it, and it kept going on. I was like, listen, like, is solid guy like if i was dying that's who i definitely want and if you were dying you'd want him there too like i you know and i and i just i remember like like you know you talked about that nervous laughter at first and like having that and like being like like oh <laughs> like i don't know what to do with this this is awkward yeah. but then once i said something the rest of the guys in the firehouse were like yeah why don't we drop that like you know and it and it like i think sometimes you know it really does take somebody saying something 
Um, there was that show that used to be on TV where they would like put people in awkward situations. And, uh, um, um, yeah, what, would you, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah. Would you, yes, yes. I, I thought I was on an episode of it one day here at home because there was a guy who was, I don't know, he was, if I had stereotyped him, he definitely looked like a drunk homeless guy, but he was bitching about like the natural natty lights, lights or whatever that was supposed to be two for five and the guy and then he started picking on the guy he was pakistani and he would say oh you're the reason we have 9-11 and he went on this whole thing and i just sat there listening to it and looking at the other people and i finally said hey shut up like yeah. nobody wants to hear you yeah. like and it's like and i'm pretty sure if you keep going at it like i'm gonna say something outside with you and nobody's gonna care what happens yeah. from that point forward so just yeah. shush yeah. and he he dropped it and you know he actually left the food and stuff and say la vie you know and okay. the guy caught me my coffee so that was even better but yeah the it takes one... the right there, like... yeah that's that's the, the golden repo but no like at the end of the day like it takes somebody to say something to you know yeah so but anyway I mean, going back into it like you you were you're experiencing all these things i mean going back to what you said about your first department and saying thinking to yourself that you're gonna have to like just keep this and not be yourself around these people like that is a tremendous weight of like i cannot imagine like, i'll just call it like a weight of emotion that that had to because I, I like it's like me trying not to tell people i'm a firefighter you know and they're like what what do you do what do you do and i'm like come around and i'll be like uh i work in loss mitigation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was funny so i made a really good friend and right off the bat and she was in on so the department had two sides fire and ems and you could either belong to one or the other or both and i belonged to both and I met a friend named Melissa Kendrick, and she's, we're still friends to this day. And it's like, we didn't even tell each other. She didn't tell me she was a lesbian. I didn't tell her I was gay. We just went like this. And that, once I kind of started hanging out with her, people started to know, but she would tell people what to do and where to go in a heartbeat. And that was kind of my saving grace. I'm here. And, and once they also realized like, you know, real quick, just like anything, I'm here to do a job you know, if we become friends in the meantime, volunteer fire departments are a little different, you know, they, you know, they're, they have different social and stuff like that. Nobody really ever messed with me. You would hear things. They would intentionally tell stories in front of you, um, stuff like that. But the funny part was a lot of the volunteers that were there were volunteers from when my dad was in high school who were mom and dad's then, and now they're grandparents, so they were still volunteers. And, um, they knew me and my family and they made it real quick that this is a non-issue, you know, but I still had those feelings. Oh God, like, yeah. You know, I had to, I had to niche out like, okay, I'm the only person in the station. All right. There's Melissa. There's Lisa. Okay. I can hang out in the day or I'm in the station and Oh, Dan's here. And Dan was the assistant chief. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to the house for the day. So there was still that side, that heavy burden, you know, and, and they would take their, some of them would take their opportunities for a pop shot every now and then say stuff, but for the most part, you know, just had to like, like find my niche, but there was still, yes. Yeah. It felt because I was a young man and I was, you know, I, I, out of high school and I'm now like, I start to live life and explore. But, you know, when I come home and I go do what I want to do, because I wanted to be a fireman, right? A firefighter, you know, and then it was like, mm. it was like, just be a firefighter. You know, we don't, don't be anything else. And I was right. like, I don't know what that means, but okay. And you said, I don't know if I, I think we just texted us or if it was in the uh it was in your bio here but like you EMS very comfortable to work in like in, uh, we kind of touched on that like everybody's 
everybody yeah. can come into EMS and because like I always say like there's a there's strong bonds between people but that person that you work alongside of in that truck is usually the str- like you just experience stuff with them yeah. that nobody else can even my best friend you know like I mean, well, my, my one best friends a paramedic who I work with but like you know if it's outside of EMS like you don't have that kind of bond yeah with somebody that you're you know especially when you're when you're getting the beat down right. <laughs> that comes with EMS um okay. but now so like you're out but then like when you got went back into the fire department you you were not so forth or not i don't want to say forthcoming but like you didn't you went you back in them. and it, it was the oh, text yeah. message because i was yeah, like yeah. Okay. Back. wait a minute i didn't know you could do that like i i, I was unaware that that could be possible right yeah in so a way, like i went to fire school at, at teaks and it, and like i said it was an indoor out the door thing i lived with my grandmother at the time a lot of the guys that not so there wasn't a great boss so i didn't have to worry about anything then we were there for one thing only one thing that was school right on the weekends i picked up and went back home and uh would work so i didn't hang out with these guys they didn't know me um so then i came out and i get my first firefighting job and um that's with rosenberg fire department now some of the guys that worked there worked on a duty crew over another department with some of the guys from the ems side well after like my first month there one of the guys were out back doing i think we're filling water extinguishers or something um and one guy goes hey i met a friend of yours last night and i went oh really who you know he goes well i was at a meet at my other job in katie and i'm oh who? and he told me who and he goes yeah they said he said you're gay and i went i just did the whole that that that's what he said that was i, I was his wife's partner on the ambulance you know me and her is now divorced you know but you know i was like really in my mind it's like going like oh okay he goes well I don't think you'll have any problems here. There have been some other gay individuals that worked for the city, but you know, you probably just need to, you know, keep all that to yourself, you know, and just do what we, you know, you're a rookie. You just do what you're asked to do and just kind of, and all he goes, and he, he goes, you know, this is a small, and it was a country. I mean, I think there was a a sell lot for livestock in our town, if I remember correctly, you know, and it was, and I just remember that feeling that I, I can, I can see right now telling y'all this story where we were standing in that fire station. And I can like look down and I can feel like I see myself just that head hung down, shoulders down. Like that's what he told you. I was his wife's partner on the ambulance at times. And he worked part-time there, the guy that told this. And and that that was it. He didn't take anything out, like show up on time, learn, loves to learn, loves to yeah, good, good EMT, good medic, nothing, just you're gay. Good employee. You know, that, and I can remember that. I sitting here, I can remember, I can see where I was at. And it was in that moment, that was the first, one of the first times. Uh, I mean, you know, people talk about us, right? We People talk about people, right? Yeah. But that was really a poignant moment in my life. And I want to say I was probably 24 at the time that I felt really sad about being being a gay man. You know, I don't know why I had I'd had kind of some rough times, but everything had been so good. So fun, you know, life, you know, my job was fun. And I chased my dream to be a firefighter. I got it. And that was it. And I just I remember feeling crushed. It wasn't that shift at the end. And we worked a weird schedule out there where you came to work a lot. (laughs) (laughs) With the same people probably. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. This guy's my brother but he yeah, just told yeah. me something yeah. that's not very and nice about me. So I just kind of chilled and I really, I just shut the door on who I was. Um, 
some other people worked over there. So I would hear things behind my back. Um, I kind of had an old country captain. I'll tell you how country is. One day he told me, get in the truck. We got to go somewhere. I was like, all right, we got a call. But well, we got in the booster to go fix the fence that a truck run through and his cows were getting out. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to go, there. rookie. He, Let's go. He pulls up and he goes, you know how to fence? And I was like, like with a sword? No. <laughs> he goes, and he pulled out from the back of the truck because he had it in his truck. And we, he taught, he did teach me how to splice bob wire. And I probably could figure it out again today, which is a pretty neat skill if you ever fix something. But yeah, he, but we didn't talk the whole ride there. We didn't talk the whole ride back, you know? Um, and I, yeah, it, it was very weird just having to shut that door on who I was or who I was growing to be, becoming comfortable with myself. Um, and I even had a partner at the time. Um, you know, we, we'd been together a couple of years at that point. Um, we'd since, we had separated since then and, both moved our separate ways but yeah and I'd come home and I remember he was like how was it you know you you because he was excited I had my dream right and I'll be like you know it's okay always sent a bill in at the other station the other station had a lieutenant and a firefighter and the lieutenant stayed in his room all day I sent him over there so it was really weird so do you think do you think a lot of that is from you know when it was as opposed to now let's say so like was, less because if you think about when that was i'm not, I'm was not standing up for them but no no that was in 02 02 so, so 20 that's 20 cool. years ago i mean that's there's there's a big well. change right yeah. so as of then was it a lot of their i want to say like uneducation or just the unexposure i think it was the unexposure a lot of those guys live in that town or around it i mean small country town and that was it you know a lot of them were the hardcore german polack uh, Catholic upbringing in that town. I had fan. That's some of the area. Actually, my mom, my no, take it back. My grandparents and great grandparents settled that area as immigrants. They came into that area and settled in Texas. So it was still very like when we go to family reunions. I'm like, I stick out like a sore thumb because I don't have a cowboy hat and a starch white shirt. And, you know, and it's that you it's told me that, you did own one. You told me oh, I do, but that's only for when I have to work a certain event. <laughs> Um, but uh, that's when I'm on the sports medicine team for the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. You have to be dressed a certain way. Whole um, new story, Rob. Whole new story. Yeah, yeah. So. I got uh, my cowboy yeah. hat back there, so I'm I'm good. I thought I didn't know if we were all going to wear them for this podcast, so I thought about that too. Like, is this all going to be? I just got this haircut. No, <laughs> I called the girl that cuts my hair. I'm like, I got to have a haircut today. <laughs> you don't understand. I, um, you don't know yeah. who I'm hanging out with tonight. Do you know these people, Pip and Rob? Like, do you know them? But I, I think it was a lot just the, the life that they had grown up knowing that wasn't a normal thing. The gay guy probably in that town probably packed his bags and got out the first chance he got. The gay guy that they, everyone growing up there knew in high school, growing, I guarantee you, you know, but now that's like one of those areas of Houston too, that's developed, Houston's kind of spreading out to and developing. It's coming kind of a suburban area of Houston. So I have friends that live out there now, like it's, you know, they're, they're raising families because it's out in the country, right? But yeah, back then it was, I think it was an exposure thing, an education thing. Right? Well, but I think like one of the things that I've taken away from this, you know, with, with, with your story so far is that like this happened 20 years ago and we've we've come leaps and bounds, uh, certainly as I, th- I would like to think as a society as a whole, but there's still like for that 16 year old, you know, kid out there, the you know, the rookie fireman that's out there, a firefighter who's, you know, trying to figure this out, like that anxiety is still there. 
no, no. I didn't know we've done because I I, yeah. I, I don't think we've and, and that was one of the things that like which I hope we get out of our our conversation tonight is that like they are not hearing the positive stories that are coming out. They like the, no, they the like we're nobody is talking about what it is to be anything in the fire service other than a straight person. And like, we need to have that conversation because you're my brother. Like, you know, if we are on, if we're on the line together, like we're going, like I'm, you know, there, there's no, there is no race, creed, color, religion, beliefs that happen once we, once we put that coat on, or we, you know, we put that mask on, whatever it is, or the bell goes off, what, whatever one we want to use. And like, I, so just, I hope that we get that because that even though we've come so far, there's still that anxiety for somebody to right. make that decision and to, you know, finally, I don't know if saying having the courage to come forward and be comfortable with who they are and let others know is the right way to say it. But like, I want them to, to be able to do that because I right. would, I would be so not offended, but I would just be so upset if a coworker of mine didn't, didn't tell me something about themselves and didn't uh, become who they were because right. they were worried about me thinking less of them, you know? Right. There was a stupid survey out recently. I wish I'd have pulled it up. And it said like, I want to say it was like 65% of people are comfortable having an LGBT coworker. And I'm like, what, what, you know, that's the stupidest stuff you hear, right? You're comfortable with me. You're okay with me coming to work every day because of my life outside this building, you know, and it was a, it was, I saw it. And I laughed. I sent it to a friend. And I was like, this is, this is the shit that's wrong and part of my language, but it is, that's mm -hmm. what makes it like, Oh, it's okay for you to come to work. No, it's okay to come to me work because you're a good employee and want to do a job. A human you know, being. Not a turd. Yeah. 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 And I saw that survey and I was like, that's part of the problem in this nation is things like that. You don't, you know, I, you know, I feel, I feel going up, <laughs> the blood pressure rising on it. Cause when I saw it, I laughed at the same time, thought it was bullshit because I also just read an article about, uh, I don't know if y'all heard of the Trevor project. It's a 24 hour, um, suicide hotline for LGBT youth and a youth is they actually go up to the age of 25. The suicide rate for an LGBT youth person is 40% higher. 40%. But now you're telling people that it's okay for you to come to work because 65% of your coworker or workforce thinks, okay, that's, that's the problem. You don't put those things. We got to get those numbers down. Right. You know, I don't care if you care that I'm gay. I really don't, you know, unless, you know, I don't. And I don't, I know y'all, you gentlemen from you don't care, but there's still stupid stuff like those surveys out there. There's not the positive stories. There's not the, the positive stories are out there. Let me rephrase right. that. They are. Uh, FDNY did a um, it's get, it, it gets better video, but it was in 2015. You know, um, there's a group called the uh, it's the International Pride oh, Alliance something. Um, yeah, I just found out about that, and I was like, how did I just find out about it? And it's a group to help get rid of homophobia in the fire service, police service, first responders. You know, and that's the thing. The positive things aren't out there as much. Because the negative is easier focused on. Like they made yes. that, they made that sixty-five percent sound like, hey, sixty-five percent. Yeah, I, I think not the, too the bad. Way you said that, yeah, yeah, the way you said that, like this is good. Like it's bad you had to ask that question. Yes. And then you're happy that it's like, oh, it's sixty-five percent. It's better than fifty. We have to be yeah. doing something right. Hey, we were yeah. at fifty-five two years ago. You know. And yeah, I'm I'd sure rather... if I read the article in full, that might have been in there. 
you know. I'd rather them ask like, are you happy to come to work? Like you said, a good employee. Like, yeah. uh, like how many people are happy to have a good employee next to them? It's right. probably like 20%, you know, like it's just. So, so Dallas, what is it like, you know, when you got to Houston, like when did you, when did you come out? Like, were you out in Houston or like, what was that? What, what was that transition for you? Because I mean, especially coming as a rookie firefighter, like I know how, how I was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to I'm gonna screw something up and get fired. Um, um, so I did the rookie year, right? I did. I kept my mouth, uh, head, my head down, my mouth closed. Yeah. And I did the typical rookie. Now, like I said, there was a guy at my fire academy who, um, who was at my previous job who knew about me. Only guy out of 60 people, right, who knew about me. And he was cordial, but we didn't say, and he didn't say anything during the fire academy about me. Uh, about but they were hard at Houston's uh, uh, um, I can't remember the word I'm looking for but the culture has changed at our fire academy greatly it's, it's not like what it was when I came in right um, you know when you would go through the burn they'd be standing there at the door with your resignation paper going you want to quit you can just sign you can go home right now you can, you can go back to your burger flipping job that doesn't happen anymore um but he was in there and I didn't worry about him. But when I hit the station, it was a head down, mouth closed, do what they said, have a broom in your hand if you didn't have a book in your hand kind of thing. And um, my first station, <laughs> my captain was getting ready to retire, not retire, go to a super slow station. He was off on vacation. He walks in the door and I'm sitting, because they told me to go sit right here, sit, sit here. And I'm like, I'm so being set up. I'm so, and he comes to the door. <laughs> And he throws that bag down and he drops a slurry of curse words, you know, what are you doing here? Why I you know, because he didn't want a rookie. He he was done, right? And all, but he did good. But he was one thing that was funny, he always we had I never brought a girl, right, to anything. And he always would go, I can't wait till I can dance at your wedding. I bet you're gonna have the prettiest bride, you know, because it was an assumption, right? Yep. Tall white kid in Texas, you know, he's gonna get married, two kids, pick fence, goes to the back <laughs> church on Sunday, you know, votes for George, you know, kind of thing. That was, <laughs> that's the culture, you know. You know, you know but so I don't know. Was, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> laughing. I don't we don't know what you're talking about at all. So go on. Thanks for uh, but but I so that first year I just did the rookie year. I seriously did. Um so I left that station. I got manpowered out of there. And I made really good friends when, um, there, but I never let on who I was, you know, um, just because I wanted at that point, because of what got said at me at the other department and someone spreading my business, basically my life, I wanted them to prove who I was before anyone else had a chance to say anything. I was the first one off the truck at the fire. I was the first one off the truck or the engine. Uh, we had an engine there. First one off the engine at the EMS call. You know, I was, I had my head buried in the book, you know, studying territory that I didn't even have to study, you know, because I never drove. So stuff. That's really, I wanted them to know that, hey, when this guy shows up at work every day, no matter what goes on when he's at home or, or in his personal life, that doesn't matter. You know, he, he's checking the boxes for the good employee. And I don't want to brag on myself, but I had to make sure I was able to brag on myself, you know, uh, uh, you know through my actions. No, you, you, you were the good rookie. So everybody, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better term, left you alone. You know, right, 20 right. years ago, you were the rookie that, that did the housework, did the studying. I was the rookie the that fell out of the fire because I allowed myself to overwork. 
I did. And I remember hot balloon frames, shiplap house over in Denver Harbor. And I just kept going and going. And I remember I just walked out and it was hot. It was a typical Texas day and hot. And I just kept pushing myself. I wouldn't let them put me on the, I, you know, let's take a, take a break. Go take a break. No, I just kept pushing. And finally, I just remember I was walking. I just sat down and they were like, you're done, dude. You know, I learned a lesson there, took it with me, you know, but yeah, I would never let another firefighter do that, a rookie or whatever. But, you know, that's how determined I was. I was willing to put harm on myself a little bit, yeah. you know. So, but then I left there, I got manpowered to another station. And now this will tie back into Rosenberg a little bit. There was a, I'm going to try to deal this story without dropping people in Greece, but there was a person there who worked out near Rosenberg and he went to... Rosenberg Fire Department and said, hey, we got one of your former firefighters there. What do you think the first thing they told him him was? He's gay. So this is when I, this story, me telling this here, this is when I decided to stand up for myself a little bit in a different way. So I was sweeping the front hallway one day and they're all in the office talking and he goes, hey, I went by so-and-so and asked about Cooper. And they're like, well, yeah, what'd they say? You know, and he goes, oh, you're not believe this. He's a queer. You know, country and in a countryest way, I wish I could repeat it. And I remember just stopping with the broom. They could see me stopping and they go, What? And they go, Yeah, they said he's gay, this, that, and the other. And oh, we got a sissy. Oh, right, we'll show him. He'll either transfer or quit when we're done. This whole, there's a whole conversation happened. And I remember standing in that hallway, feeling like I did at that other fire department and just shaking and thinking, I'm going to run. This is going to be my life forever in this fire. And it's not fun. And I was ready to throw the broom down and run right out the door down the street and never come back because in my mind what was happening was they're always going to be talking about you they're always going to be there that's always going to be the thing you're the gay fireman not the fireman who happens to be gay you know and i don't remember what came over me the voice in the back of my head said you know reach down and pull your boots on tight don't don't let them do it don't don't let the guys that picked on in high school be your bosses now and shaking and I can tell you that I was shaking pushing that broom and I hit the door gave a knock and I said hey I'm here to empty the trash and take it out and I they just like all looked at me like like then uh, they just went can and I, I remember I was shaking holding that bag they had they knew I knew and I walked out and at some point I was I threw the, I was like screw it I knew I could get out of there I wasn't locked into that station I knew I could get out I stayed for one year exactly they never taught me anything. They taught me, I take that back. They taught me how not to treat people because they treated people like crap, you know, if you weren't in the clique. So I learned that. But I remember that moment. And that was the moment when I was like, you know what? Screw those guys. Screw them. You know, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to. And someone had already sat me down and said, like, you'll find your clique. You'll find... I didn't talk to some other firefighters, a gay police officer in HPD. And they'd all been like, you're going to find your family. You're going to find them. Trust me. You're only in like a year or two years at this point. Trust me. It's going to be okay. It's a big department. But, you know, trust me. There's lots of assholes, but there's more people, good people than the assholes in the department. And, and it did. And I'll never forget that day. And it was a day when I said, you know what? I mean, it was a long day and it made for really long days there. Um, they, they prided themselves that they would run people off. You know, that, that was like a badge of honor. I don't get that. Um, I don't want the guys at my station to leave. You know, as an officer, I want my family, my crew. And I did. I, I just held my head down and, and kept pushing forward at that point and decided, you know what, this isn't going to be how it's going to go. You know, and it, it took a little while still. Um, the next station I transferred to, uh, 
the EO there actually become captain and asked me to come. And I drove over to him and I said, I'm gay. If you want me to come work for you. And he was like that. And I said, I just tell, I'm telling you. And I remember that. And I was there and he goes, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and he goes like, and, and I was like, well, I'm telling you I'm gay. <laughs> you coming to work next like, week? Like you still come like, yeah, I asked you to come work for me. That doesn't matter. I asked you to come. And I was like, no, no, I'm telling you. I mean, I was like really determined. Because, and he, I'm and I, I swear, you, I'm totally gay. I'm like, telling you. you. And he was like, yeah, cool, dude. Uh, and then I told him the whole story. And he goes, I get it. I get it. He goes, big deal. You know? Um, yeah. So, and then, you know, from then on, I've had a couple other instances. Those guys from that station where I went and took the trash out when I transferred to station four. Finally, I transferred to station four because that captain left and I, I wanted to get back to a truck house. Um, and I transferred to four. Those guys at the station where I said I'm going to take the trash out called the captain and told him. And he kind of did like, and I rode over there on extra trips all the time and stuff. And then he, the captain, the senior, he was kind of like, does he show up? They're like, well, yeah, he shows up for it. Does he know his job? Well, yeah, he knows his job. Well, is he, is he a good employee? Does he have anything in his record? And I'm like, well, no. And he's like, what's the deal? Yeah. Does he take the trash out? Like, that'd be yeah. like, take the trash out? <laughs> I did the whole, I'm taking the trash out. I can, <laughs> oh man, you ever tried to empty the trash no, bag? That's, so, that's, <laughs> that's such an epic story, though, to tell yeah. because look at, like, like yeah. we talked about. So, what one of the, so we talked a lot. Oh. I don't want to say we talked a lot before this podcast, but we definitely talked more than we have in, in the past, you know, since however we've known each other, let's say, right. like leading up to what night are we going to record in this story yeah. and that story. And, and you had said, you want to do this so that that young kid is listening. They know they took the trash out. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and I think when you tell that story, I'm like, you took the trash out. Like, that's what I want. I want the guy that takes the trash out. I did. You know, yeah. and that's you. Who cares? Yeah. And you know what I joke? Karma is karma's a bitch, and it's a bitch to the right people. And some of those guys, karma's really got them. You know, and I won't go into any of that because that's that. Yeah. But when I hear their names sometimes, and oh, do you hear? And I'm like, hmm. you know, you know, they didn't just, take the trash out. I, I tried to never. They I probably never took the trash out. Down right. Yeah. Like in dead. Yeah. Like we can. That that is the new analogy. Like yeah. that, they probably I mean, never did. Those guys, I was like, you know, if there's a little kindness and friendliness, you probably wouldn't, they probably, lives would be going like they are right now. But, you know, and I wish no bad, no harm, and everybody, people don't understand that. They're like, people are so, some people are horrible to you. I go, it'll, it'll work out in the wash in the end for them. So, yeah, so, yeah, that was very pointy. I still was like, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm gay. And he was like, and he was lifting weights. He's like, yeah, cool. And I went by the station he was working at. He's like, yeah, bro. Let me do some bicep curls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a calendar boy, so at one point, so there were at one point he was hitting those bicep curls. A little tricep extension this way. Yeah. Like every now and again. Listen, now see I'll say it again. Every now and again, that's okay. It's just yeah. not your every day. You yeah, can't yeah. do that every Wednesday. Uh, yeah. You can't do 20 of these and 30 of these, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Sorry, Rob, I hijacked your podcast with Fitness. No, 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 no. Listen, this is just as much yours as it is mine. Um, I forgot so, that. It's a crossover episode. Yes, it's a, that's right. It's like one of those horrible shows on TV. We're having a crossover. We're having episode. a crossover. Jeremy actually tried to to talk. Now, we're totally hijacking your uh, your episode here, Dallas. But Jeremy yeah, tried not. to talk some shit the other day to me about not doing a podcast recently. And I'm like, I'm doing a crossover episode with Robert Ridley. 
from National <laughs> Choir Radio. Yeah. So there, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy. You, you shush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so now, like moving forward, right. you know, as as you're in your career, you're promoted to captain. Um, like, is there? I don't want to say because I feel like advice is just too like, eh. But like, what what would you say to firefighters? emergency services workers even probably people in law enforcement who are out there that are like kind of they're starting to walk the path that you had to walk early on in your career right and even in your life like is there is there a back pocket skill that you have that you developed or you just say like hey like like what that one officer said is like you will find your you will find your your niche you will find your home yeah like that and that's what it is so i mean of course, metropolitan big city departments are usually more diverse and more accepting of your smaller, but there are still good small departments um, out there, but it, it is, it's getting in there, finding those good people. They accept you and who you are because you're a good person who wants to do a great job. And then if they happen to know the rest, that's fine. You're always going to have the haters. You're always going to have the naysayers. I still have one. I had, uh, right before I got promoted to EO, a guy just just trying to go at me about a national night out thing. And he was like, were there women there to get any numbers? And I finally just started screaming. I was like, no, I didn't. I like dudes, dudes, man. And I went like this right in front of the whole station. I'm like, you know, two dudes. And uh, he just like hit the floor. He was like, oh my God. I go, I don't know why, you know, everybody in the room knows. I like dudes. And I screamed it as loud as I could, got in my truck and drove off. You're always going to have those people. That's life. You know, even outside, we live in a small town. Yeah. And there's people that look at me and my partner, Mark, you know, at times, you know, we get in this town, here's funny, in this town, everywhere we go eat dinner, they go one, two, or one check or two. When we go down to Houston, Austin, they just bring us the check. You know, they, up here, you know, they, it's small town. It, there's always going to be those people. You just got to find the people who appreciate you for who you are. And I think it does once they realize who you are and learn more about you, they appreciate you even more. Um, my time as an EO to captain at 50s, uh, that's probably the most, my, my career turned around as EO. When I became an EO, that's when I really found some really cool crews to work with. And I enjoyed my time at fours, don't get me wrong, but it was a very, and I had, it was funny at fours, the, my officers were all older, um, getting ready to retire, they were much more open and accepting of me than the crew. Um, we had a crew member that proudly hung a Confederate flag in his garage, you know, kind of guy, um, you know, but they, they were more, more open to hear about my life. They asked about how Mark was, that's my partner, um, and all, and as EO, I found crews that were like that. We talk about, and then we become captain, they always are asking about my stuff. That's the crews you want to find. They appreciate you for the employee first. They understand, and if you get a crew that kind of, or a crew or a partner on patrol or on ambulance, you know, that you can open up to and tell your story and tell your story to, it makes you an even tighter bond and even stronger crew. And so it's about finding it. And they are those people out there. There's always, I mean, I had a guy filling it in my station not too long ago. And when he walked in and he saw it was me, he did the whole, and I was like, take it on plugs, dude. You know, guess who the boss is? <laughs> you lose. And I, yeah, yeah. Oh, he did. He had the most like dejected look because he had talked enough shit about, about me earlier and I knew it. 
you know, and he's just a loud mouth. And I'm like, you've got, you know, you're a 20 year firefighter, dude. You couldn't even promote and you've tried how many times. And I shouldn't say things like that. You know, some people, some people just don't do it as good, you know, but I was like, I look at it and I was kind of did the whole, you know, so. Some days you have to say things like that. Though, right? No, I kept that to myself because I was the officer. No, no, no. You, don't, you have to think that. I don't know what the word is. Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. In your head, it's like throw the jab in your head kind of thing. But but I think one of those things, too, that you said earlier about your academy were like they were signing. They had the letter at the door, you know, like, oh, here, sign here, Rook, and, and here. And, and yeah. you know, I've learned being a lieutenant for the past six, seven years now, six years, six years now, about getting to know your people even more. And this whole, again, social media, National Fire Radio, size up, this, this greater world that's out here has taught me that there's way more to us than just being firefighters. And I want to know about my people. I want to know your partner, Mark. I want to know your wife, uh, Kata. Molly. I want to know, you know, oh, I want nice. to know all these things because you're my friend. You're my yeah. employee. You're, you're the person I work with. So seeing this change, I think that's another thing. Like you can you can speak to the folks that were in your boat 20 years ago, but you could also speak to the rest of us and we can all learn from this. Right. Yeah, right. And that was the big thing is like 20 years ago, you know, there wasn't the, it was a lot of just keep, you know, that keep your head down mentality. Don't let them know um, who you are. And guys, I think it's a societal change too. Um, one thing about Houston, we're a younger department now. We're, we're very young. And um, when I got in, it was an older department, but it, I mean, we had a huge retirement shift. Uh, that out and a lot of those mentalities and I'll, here's a good example um i called down and talked to uh luke manion he's one of our guys at uh, down at local 341 and i was asking some different things and all and he said they had a retiree and not too long ago and he was standing there at our pro shop looking at t-shirts and all and luke was walking towards him to see if he needed anything and he said the guy and this is he says an older gentleman and he said, uh, he goes, huh. And Luke said, what? And he goes, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd see a pride shirt or hat in our local. And he, Luke was expecting a rebuttal in a bad way. And he, he said, huh, times have really changed, haven't they? And he said, the guy just uh, smiled and walked away. And, and Luke said that, that that was a really good feeling to him to see that from that generation, an older one. That, you know, the times, because he had the feeling that the guy was saying the times have changed for the better. And I think they, and I know they have, I, I feel it. I feel it constantly. I mean, there's some things still, I mean, but it's society. But there's know. always going to be things. There's things. There's I, always going to be things about racism still. You read yeah. things about, I just read a thing the other day about a, uh, I didn't want to work with her because she was a woman and left her in a fire or something that I just yeah. read. And I'm like, okay, they're still here, but they're so... That's a funny, funny thing to say, because like one of my first female captains, um, everybody was like, oh, you can't work for her, you can't work for her, you can't, I said, I'm not going to be that guy, you know, I can't, I'm not be that guy, but I let her prove her path, and we just had a personality, yeah. we had a personality disorder, <laughs> we had, this could so happen with anyone, anyone, so, and, we did, and I was like, you know, I think I'm just gonna go on down the road, because I like my job, and I think you can get me fired, um, you know, because I have a very also, proud personality that I because of what I've had to do to get where I'm at I'm not letting anybody get in the way of that ever again you know yeah. kind of thing and, and I kind of 
kind of probably should have toned it down a few times in the past realize this person's on my side if I don't but yeah I never yeah I remember that when guys were like you gotta get out of there you gotta get out of there I'm like no no and then it just I was like oh yeah I do <laughs> but it's different reasons <laughs> we all but no but you all have that that issue too you right. know what I mean like there, there's that personality issue where you just may not like someone there's people yeah, I like, yeah. like it's just there's we're not we're gonna like each other it's okay no it's okay. no right no. I mean even my crew at times well not the crew I'm with now but my other pumper there would be there uh, one of my good friends, um, uh, Raul Guzman, he's a pipeman, and uh, we butted head a few times, and I, you know, but we always came back, and usually we sat and talked about it, and either we realized he didn't understand what I was saying, I didn't understand what he was saying. It was a heat of the moment thing on, at the fire station, you know. Uh, you know, I had high expectations of me as an EO of the guys in the back on all levels, cleaning the station, taking care of the apparatus on the scenes, you know, because my goal, I always said, said, if I have high expectations, expectations, y'all to get that done, I can keep that guy to my right side off y'all's ass, the, the, the officer, you know, but we did, we, it happens, you know, it's life, you know, but you, you move on, you know, for the bigger picture of things. Did you have, because uh, I know you mentioned it in the, in the email, but like, were there mentors along the way who really like had that impact on you whether it just be for your career or for anything else you know um i kind of thought about that after i sent that to you actually thought about today i didn't really have that mentor that took me under the wing teach me guys but i have a lot of people that i just look up to um yeah that that because yeah i mean that i've looked up to who've paid, paid their way i mean that that i took lessons from everybody to get me where i am today i actually texted one the other day and jokingly said, um, it's actually Clyde Gordon, he's a district chief at Station 8, and I said, hey, made a first-in fire the other day, and that remember that little nugget you talked about where you, you know, when smoke's banked down, pushing out the door, get down as slow as you can, look under the fire, you're looking for the victim, but you'll probably see the fire and see where all the furniture is. I said, I put it to use, and it worked. I said, when you think I was running my mouth not listening, I was paying attention, you know, so he's one, um, you know, Chief Bill Bariski, uh, he was the fire chief at Houston at one time, and that guy, he taught you learn everybody's story before you cast judgment. You never know what's happening when they drive out of that parking lot, you know, um, and go home for the day. He, he was big on that. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, Kim Phillips, I got to give credit to her. She's that loud mouth female in the fire department that's not going to take no for an answer. And she's going to, and, and she's going to, if you tell her no, she's going to come back and tell you why no is wrong. <laughs> she's, she's a very good friend of mine. We share, I'm a, a gardening tips and all that all the time. And, and, uh, and different stuff. But I mean, I could go on with the people I've learned from the fire service. You know, there are guys that get lucky in Houston and they get yeah. that mentor because they don't get transferred out. They don't get manpowered out. They're not in a time where in a major hiring and they're trying to shuffle the city and get it right. And they get to stay at the station and just work with that guy and work with that guy and work with that guy. For me, I didn't get that. I got shipped out. And then I got to that second station where I was like, okay, these guys aren't who I need to work with in my career. And then I went on and worked with a friend of mine, uh, Don Stamps. Um, he, he, he's the one that asked me to come be on his shift at Station 60. Um, and he's the one I was like, I'm telling you I'm gay. You know, and all. Uh, he recently, unfortunately, passed away. But man, he, he's the guy. So my class, uh, four months after graduating academy, we had a line of duty death of one of our classmates um, died in a, a, a nightclub fire. But Don was the guy that put me back on the bicycle, started, start pedaling again, keep going, because I was four months in and you lose a guy in your class. I mean, you 
you know, that's pretty shocking, right? You know, it's shocking to lose a firefighter. We hate it every time it happens. I mean, it just never, it never gets easy. But to have that guy that graduated four months ago, you're the shield of rookie, you know, but Don was the guy that, you know, he, he pulled me aside one day. He could see it. He could feel it, right? Yeah. And, and said, you know, when you fall off the bicycle, you get back on. And, and he did that. And I think he, I'm here today a lot because of him, because like, I kept going. So. Well, I think that's one thing too, like you talk about the culture and the traditions that are in Houston and like, you know, like I think that Houston has become the best kept fire department secret in the United States in some aspects <laughs> of it, right? Oh, but, no, like, yeah. but like there's been like that path has been paved with like the sacrifice of some of some very good firefighters and yes you know it's just it's like you you guys have had to go through yeah. a lot of a, a lot of a lot of uh funeral details as a result yeah. so no, no. And, it, it, and, and we were going through it like a one-two punch like it just was kept yeah. happening it wasn't you know the minute you come up for air kind of thing here come again for a while and that was hard too on a new on a new firefighter you know you're battling the mental aspect of being a gay firefighter right you know, ooh, you know, you're the gay firefighter. Well, just go do your job. Don't say anything. And then you're battling the mental health issue over here. What's happening with PTSD and we're dying and you have nobody to go talk to to balance these out. There's no support service. You got to go to the, I went to the counseling center and spoke to a counselor, an LGBT counselor, but they didn't know anything about the fire service. They didn't know. I was telling them stuff and they're like, oh, they're taking notes about trying to learn. I'm like, this is, hey, this, this is... <laughs> this is my 45 minutes and you know and uh yeah. but there's nothing there to support those two unfortunately i mean i think the best thing is you know i had a young fireman um he's since left houston um his partner contacted me and he goes can i talk to you and i was like yeah yeah i'm here for you and he goes i don't understand this culture I, he said i don't get this i don't get what he he's coming home this way i don't get the moodiness i don't get the and he was a rookie in his rookie year still i feel like there's Young kid and his partner was just blown away. There's no, there was no, there's support services for wives, the fire wives, you know, there's all that. They always talk about a lot of these things. Our union even had an organization at one time. It's since been disbanded, but it was the, uh, the fire wives auxiliary. Well, not everybody has a wife guys. You yeah. Know? You know, yeah. what about fire the women spouse, in the fire, fire what about the fire. women in the fire service, right? Their husbands. And, yeah. Yeah. The husbands. And so that was where he, he reached out to me and I, and I was like, I never thought of that, you know, and it was really, and I had some great long conversations with him and explained, you know, my years and what I'd gone through, how you have to um, separate the work. It's going to take him a little time. He's new to learn this and all, but I said, yes, he goes, well, he's ready to come out to his crew. And I go, he thinks there's that person in that crew that he can do it to. And then they told me the crew and I was like, yeah, just do it you know <laughs> i knew the crew and i'm like just do it yeah and, you, know, <laughs> you know but there are some crews in the city i'd be like hey you know pick that you know pick that one person you can comment on just leave that to yourself you know there, there's some good old boy crew it's houston texas <laughs> you know there's, there's a lot going on there that's different oh my god New Jersey. I, I mean I, you I, can I, literally go to one station on one ship be like, man those are the coolest guys in the world they were great to hang I worked on an all Hispanic crew at one time. That was the best time I had in my life. I ate way too many tacos. Way too, we had tacos all the time. I'm glad I'm not on that shift. I've lost weight. Um, Guzman, I love your cooking if you listen to this, but my God, man, you were killing me with the water. Um, <laughs> but then you can drive right down the street, 2.5 miles, and meet the most conservative, boring, country, redneck crew that all they want to sit down, sit around is watch Fox News 
and, and they probably know who I'm talking about when they listen to this, because I doubt him will, but that's all they do all day, you know, and every social problem is, is the, that person's problem. The racism is the, is the black people's problem. Um, the um, equality is the gay people's problem. Nothing has to do with, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. that's Houston. It's so diverse, you know. But it's, like them, that but makes it great. That's the, country, <laughs> that's the country in a way, right? That's the fire service where it's oh, so yeah. diverse. And yeah. I even told you how, you know, on social media, I, I get messages all the time. And one started out just as innocently as all the other ones type do about fitness or something. And this man said to me that he wanted to come out to his crew and said, like, I've happened to see you hang out with some homosexual people. And I thought you'd be a good person to come out to. And I'm like, wait, this is all messaging. Yeah. And I'm like, time out. Wait, what did you just say? And right. and on in my couch here in New Jersey, I'm showing my wife Tracy. I'm like, Tracy, what do I do? What do I do? I don't even know this person. And right. he now chosen me to do this with and wants to know advice. I'm like, I don't have advice to give him. Like, what, what do I do? And we talked some more and, and things worked out well for him. But it, it's one of those things that this is new and this is interesting for me not interesting i shouldn't say it's a bad word but this is something new for everyone it's uncharted territory it is yeah, yeah. and uh, you have to be ready for it you have to be willing to uncharted right? right that's that's the key yes yeah. yeah and if you like go to google right now and you put lgbt firefighters in you're not going to find a lot you're going to find some article uh fire I went, some of the fire magazines had some guys write in um, some different things and somebody answered the question and I'm curious is who answered that was that a someone's had experience was that just somebody what was that nozzle head or something it's one of the advice columns you can kind of write I can't yeah remember. but there's yeah, not yeah, like uh, yeah there was like an on un, un, um you didn't have to sign the letter thing in one of yeah. the magazines a few years yeah, you, yeah, yeah so yeah. this guy wrote this letter and I read it and I'm like well who's this guy I mean he gave some good advice it's not the advice I had given it did you know this young person had come to me you know um, you know, a lot, you know, so there's not a lot out there. It is uncharted territories. It's, yeah. it's small. It's like, it's like talking about corporations in June. What do, what do corporations do when June starts rolling around? They start slapping that pride sticker on everything, right? Yeah. You start seeing it. You start seeing it. Now, it's funny. If you look at UPS, with their big price sticker, but you go to UPS in the Middle East, they're not doing it over there. You know, they're, they're, it's very, very catered to. So that's why it's an uncharted territory. It's a convenient territory for some places sometimes, you know, a lot of times. And well, you know, so and it makes you wonder in those articles, it was just like, oh, let's, this is a good time to do this, you know? And, and that was one of the other things that I, I like, I didn't want to just like come up with a, a, a pride logo for National Fire Radio and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're, right. we, we're we support, uh, we, and but like, and it's gone. It's gone after June fourth. It's already a, a a past post, you know. Right, and then like, you know, if I and if we change the profile picture, it lasts until July third because I all forget to take it down. But like, you know, like whatever else, like it's just like that's not to like. I I don't want to say that's not. That's not the way to like. That's one part in the way, but that's not the only way. Of, of, of what we're we're trying to do yeah. dallas didn't didn't even know this but when when before i asked you to, to to do this with us that was what rob said to me it was like i don't want to just say june is pride let's do this right. for pride i, right. I want to talk about this and i want to make this 
what we're talking about. I, I don't yeah. know how to how to say it in any other way, but oh, I'm like, yeah. I agree because it's June, and it just so happened to be June that we came up with this. It's well, like, it probably pinged on your radar a little bit more. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. It needs to be talked about. It, there's a lot of things in the fire service that need to be talked about more um, to make them where they're not uncomfortable subjects for people. I don't think this is an uncomfortable subject for people, but this is my life. You know, it's yeah. a little different story. You know, I kind of live the life now. Like, well, if you're uncomfortable, this fire station has five rooms, and I have my own office, so you're free to go to any of them. You know, and but you will be on the fire truck when it goes, <laughs> you will be on the fire truck when it goes out the door. Yeah. You, know, you can pick the locker room, you can pick the toilets, you can pick whatever. I don't care, but you know, it, it's not an issue. So, so we've been we've been talking for about uh, almost coming up on to an hour and a half. Is there? anything else that like you want to touch on plug anything like that like as far as like i know you talked about the uh i have the website it's the international ems and firefighters pride alliance and i i find it a little interesting if you said it and then i googled it and looked but ems is first yeah that is very not the norm in the fire service right fire ems fire ems fire ems i say it all the time it's ems and fire so this was an organization that was probably bred out of that EMS community. Um, and they're out of San Francisco. So that, I mean, that's not anything. They're in the Castro. And uh, so my partner, Mark, lived in San Francisco for 13 years. And we go back every September for a couple of weeks. I'm like, how did I never know this? How did I ever find this? And so San Francisco Fire Department, you know, it's kind of, it's EMS fire, and then you can pathway into fire. So I'm sure their EMS side has a, a high, I shouldn't say high, <laughs> um, I know the word I'm trying to get to here, but I'm sure they, they yeah, that's a lot. I'm just going to let this go because I'm getting so tongue-tied. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so out there, maybe it is, but I was really interested. They have a big, like, conference and all, so I uh, may try to go to it. Convergence 2021, yeah. October 8th to the 10th in Denver, Colorado. There I know. Go. I was like, that sounds like a great time to go to Denver. Oh, I could go to Denver and finally see Denver for once. Yeah. Um, I just went to a wedding, and we got, we were oh. out there, and we were so busy, we didn't get to see anything other than the wedding venue, so. Yeah, um, that was like us in Palm Springs. I was like, we were in Palm Springs for a wedding, and I... I was like, oh, we're staying a few more days. I'm like, you got to call and take the work. I, I'm not. Because <laughs> we got there and I was like, this is amazing. You know? And since so, since we're plugging these folks too, you can enter the raffle to go to the conference yeah. for free. So if you go to the website, there is a raffle. You have till yeah. August 31st, 2021. We know firefighters love free stuff. So oh, there's a chance yeah. to get a free trip to Denver yeah. out of the out of the international and i gotta pull it back up again because i'm gonna say it wrong right but international ems and fire pride alliance we don't even know but we just plugged up yeah yeah so dallas do you have anything else for us you know um i'll, I'll just kind of end it you know someone one time and there's a, a i could look it up and there's a great comment on it's like why do we come out and you know why do you have to come out um i, I didn't come out for you guys I, I don't come out for the guys that are talking shit the protesters on the corner I come out for that kid we've talked about. Yeah, I come out so they can see me. I come out so they can hear my struggles, to know that it's okay. It's going to be tough, but it gets 100% better. You know, it's been the greatest career of my, my life, my greatest job. I've made my best friends. And, and if you're thinking of doing it, you can all put my uh, Instagram tag up there. People have questions and all. Um, it, What's your Instagram tag? It's the Dallas Cooper. 
it's at, at the Dallas Cooper, but you know, I get pretty emotional when I think about where I was and I look back and see that guy standing in that fire station thinking all they could tell you was I'm gay. Um, but now, you know, something if that's all they can tell you, well, they're not paying attention. So, um, that, that, that's it. You know, it, 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 we don't do it for anybody, but that guy, that kid that's sitting there that had the support of parents that doesn't have the support of family. I hate saying the support of church, but I'll even say it. Um, they don't have that. I came out um, when I had to, and I'm out. I'm very proud of who I am and what I've done with my life. And, and just know that, you know, if you're thinking about growing the fire service, you're not alone. You're not the only gay. I mean, guy out there, 4,000 firemen, fire, I shouldn't say firemen. I got corrected on this the other day. 4,000 firefighters in the city of Houston. Um, I tried to write down how many I thought and I knew, and I came up with about 20, but I've only worked in one little pocket of the city for a long time. So uh, I told that to one of the guys. He goes, oh, no, oh, no. He goes, we could have a party. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> when I asked you, you started naming them, and I'm like, wait, how many? Because yeah. I'm like, I know how many we yeah. have in my little department. You started naming people. I'm like, no, there's got to be more than that. No, there are. But like I said, I mean... I've worked in one, I've worked the Northwest side of Houston almost my whole career. And, and that's it. You know, I kind of just know who yeah. I you know, interacted with or, or someone's told me, you know, Oh, do you know, I always like when people do this. Oh, do you know, so-and-so's gay. I'm like, okay. No, no. Like, you don't just like, automatically. Hold on, let me get my directory out. Yeah. How did I miss that one? You know, <laughs> I was just going to say like, you just don't yeah. get this magic. Book I that get, says like it's all these guys. I did not I receive an email when he joined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was not in the questionnaire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I must have missed that in my club. Sorry. I do well, think too. Wait, Rob, real quick. Too, yeah, yeah. Dallas said this to me when we were talking that one time there was a story in Houston where a captain didn't want to go to the pride parade. Oh, and then they told him they basically said like, well, then don't go. Like we're taking the engine. It's in service. You stay here. We're going. Cause that's what the rule was or whatever it was. And then when the engine came back, everyone was so happy that they went cause they had such a good time. And this poor no, I don't want to say poor guy, but this guy who chose not mm. to go stood there with his hands crossed, like, oh, well, no, yeah. I missed a good time. Like, because, yeah. like, the cause, city of Houston, they don't like, we, you won't see anything on the website, right? You won't see, like, Sacramento has a pride flag, San Francisco, Oakland, Seattle, uh, Washington. I could go on. Um, so mm -hmm. We don't have, they don't do that. Um, but if they need a fire truck for a parade or a ladder truck, uh, they'll check that box off, whichever parade, as long as it's socially acceptable, you know, they'll send it, they'll happily send a truck with a crew. And yeah, he did. And the guys came back and they had confetti and beads and, you know, the truck was covered in stuff and, you know, uh, and, and, cause he wasn't going because, you know, he didn't believe in homosexuals and this, that, and the other, and how dare they try to force him. And, and the chief was like, and I think his chief was gay. I'm pretty, I may have been his chief, one of the, you know, we, a district chief we had. I think yeah. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, it was like, just sit at the station, dude. You'd be miserable by yourself. You showed them. Yeah. Yeah. Hope they run a fire. Yeah. It was so funny. The, the guys, you know, beads and all kinds of stuff. I had a friend up there and he was like, it was the best time ever. I'm going to that parade every year. Because yeah. it's fun. Our parade's at night down here. So, you know, it's at night in June, so you lose about 30 pounds just standing there in the heat. So, 
Anyways. <laughs> well, Dallas, thank you for, uh, and, and I mean, honestly, thank you for coming on hey, no and opening up and, and, and uh, trusting us with this story because hey. this has been like a great, great time for me. Like, I, I just, I've really enjoyed listening to you hey. to talk and just go, kind of going over this. And I hope that there's somebody out there who comes across this and, you know, they, like we talked about it before, if there's that one person that we make the difference to, then tonight yeah. was a success. And on behalf of myself and everybody at National Fire Radio and Pip with the size up, thank you for coming on. This is a, uh, this has been an honor. So it's a hundred percent honor for me. When Pip asked me, I, I immediately said no in my head. Um, and then, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then I thought about it and I thought about that kid. I thought about the young Dallas. I thought about the young Dallas which I get emotional. Thing. But yeah. thank you all again. It's been an honor. Well, everybody, this is Rob, National Fire Radio with Pip from the Size Up and Captain Dallas Cooper from Houston Fire Department. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys on the next one. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this week and listening to another episode on the National Fire Radio podcast channels. We truly appreciate the support. We thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our interviews, our roundtables, our discussions. It means the world. Like, share, leave a comment. The more we engage, the more we can grow and push the word out and keep making this job better.